Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. What is up, everybody? We is back through the keyhole. Tuesday free pod. What's up, freebies? And what's up, patrons? We love both of you equally, but of course, we're going to love the patron, patrons just a, just a tiny bit more. 0.69% more um, by my calculations. Brady Trantham here alongside Mr. Matthew By God Burton. Got Peyton Guthrie and Alan Kinney. Everyone's in the house. Um, none of us have entered the transfer portal, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the Zoom call before my very eyes has four boxes in it. Um, but again, that can change. We're going to podcast for about the next hour, hour and a half, talk about OU football. Um, so any minute now, Peyton is just ready to hit that like d- dump button and just get the hell out of here. Uh, Peyton, first of all, um, if you did decide to transfer from through the keyhole, I mean, wh- what direction would you be looking? Uh, pr- probably retirement, uh, to be, <laughs> to be uh, completely honest with you. Uh, I, I like what I do here. I like creating this stuff, but, uh, the, the reason why I'm here on keels, it's, it's a cool passion project side thing. I couldn't imagine going to one of the other guys, uh, you know, like Sooners group or something like that, where they would expect me to treat it like a full-time job. I w- <laughs> wouldn't be able to handle it from any way, shape or form. So, and that's no shade on those guys. It's their job. Uh, but this is a, this is a very fun cadence for me, but, uh, I, I guess that'd be it. Or. If a uh, a Spurs podcast uh, had a chance, had an opening, that would be fun. Are the Spurs good? Uh, they are. They are strategically bad. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me say that. Let's say they're maybe they may be waving a white flag. Maybe. <laughs> well, that that would keep uh, for next that year. Would, that would keep in the cultural history of their uh, superstar player, right? That's true. That's true. There we go. Hey, hey. There we go. Now they're a team on the rise. We 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 love the Spurs and some of the thunder, but also the Miami heat. Hey, Matt, it's been a minute. What's up, man? You've been noticeably absent. I know. Has has Missouri contacted your father? Uh, They contacted him. Yes. Um, And contrary to what's out there, he accepted for me. Okay. I didn't (laughs) accept anything. He accepted on my behalf. And that is a no go right now. But uh, yeah, no, you know, my, my absence has kind of, I want to just squash some other rumors too. My absence has been noticeable um, <laughs> while a certain college basketball team that I might like is playing awful right now. That being the Duke blue devils. And I want to say that in no way, shape or form is my absence correlated with that. Okay. Duke basketball has been postponed until further notice. I've declared that on Twitter and uh, it's okay. They're not playing any games right now. So it's okay. It's fine. 
Shit, normally they're definitely would... not playing Hofstra right now. Are not only up by five at halftime, so it's okay. Normally at this time, I'd probably say, "Geez, I wish OU basketball was playing Duke this year instead of North Carolina." But hey, <laughs> hey an pretty, easy win for OU. We're, we're pretty good right now. How how excited are you for the December twentieth matchup against the much hated UNC Tar Heels? I told everyone, uh, I told everyone yesterday that if OU beats North Carolina. Tyler and I are going to have the happiest radio show of anybody else. Him being a former OU basketball player and me hating North Carolina. <laughs> me with every... being a former Duke, ba- <laughs> yeah, Duke basketball player. <laughs> yes, no. <laughs> Him actually playing me, just being an avid fan yeah. of Duke and hating like North Carolina. A current, a current Duke television watcher. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Matt was JJ Reddick's stunt double. Yeah. yeah no, I love JJ Reddick, man. Anyways, yeah. yes. But no, I would be very, very happy. If well, uh, if OU beats North Carolina, well, that's good. Well, Alan, were you the uh, pilot in the uh, Danny Stutzman promotional video for the Buckus Award that <laughs> unfortunately didn't happen because he rolled his foot and got a little owie and didn't play against OSU? Uh, that was not me. No, I don't have my pilot's license. Not since the incident of '96, huh? <laughs> we won't talk about that. Anyway, shout out to Vanessa House. Um, Anybody that's plugged into, I guess, the brewery scene in Oklahoma City or in Oklahoma, or if you follow Vanessa House on social media by now, you you've heard some some pretty sad news, especially hits close to home for me. Um, I, I just want to say one quick thing about Vanessa House, not just because they are a proud sponsor of this podcast and uh, good friends of not just me, but I'm sure everybody here. And if Alan went uh, came to Oklahoma City, had a beer at Vanessa House, he would be much well. Sure, I'd love it. Yes. And much loved. Um, but <clears throat> Vanessa House is really cool to me. Um, when the franchise, let me let me f- really carefully say this without pissing somebody off. But when the pandemic hit and there weren't any sports, and then therefore some pay got cut in half and never got returned. But that's a different story for a different time. Um, basically, when I needed some money, <laughs> I uh, hit up some friends from Vanessa house and just kind of basically said, dude, I I need a bartending gig. I just, I need something, you know, I don't, I'm not making any money. I'm not gonna be able to pay rent. This is scary. And, you know, they are hurting at the time as well because they are a bar. I mean, a tap room, um, you know, whatever it's scientifically called, um, they're a tap room and they thrive off of people coming in. And at the time, um, during lockdown, you know, nobody's going to a bar because it's not necessarily allowed. But the second that, we were able to kind of go back out and go to restaurants and whatever, go back and make or purchase some business stuff. Um, they were kind enough to throw me a bone and let me get a handful of shifts. And that kind of turned into like a part-time gig. And I was able to do my franchise stuff while making some money at the bar. And um, yeah, it was, it was fun. It, it helped <clears throat> it obviously helped through the keyhole at the time. I think it was still called inside OU um, helped that show grow. Cause we were able to do those Thursday shows that we, that I really miss from Vanessa house when Keegan was the co-host. So all, <clears throat> all that to say is my voice slowly starts to uh, break up because for whatever reason, my uh, the cold that I'm dealing with knows when I'm going to podcast, which pisses me off, but all that to say, uh, Vanessa House helped me out at a very, uh, uh, not a bad time, sad time. I mean, it was bad for a lot of people. I was fortunate, but they they helped that time be 
much more fortunate than it could have been, especially financially. And so I'm always going to be thankful for Vanessa House. So if you don't have any plans, if you want somewhere to go to have a good time, uh, go to Vanessa House, Broadway and 8th. It's right by Hideaway Pizza. So you can even bring in some pizza and have a good time and play video games. Watch a game. Hey, watch. go watch the OU Green Bay game. They're going to play Jordan Love on Saturday. And I don't know if y'all know this, but Green Bay is like undefeated under Matt LaFleur in December. So it's going to be a big game for OU basketball. So we're all excited for that. But let us move on to the story at hand. Caden Green has hit the transfer portal. Danny Green has... Danny Green. (laughs) Danny Stutzman, who is not related to Caden Green. Thank God, because that would be a nightmare. Danny Stutzman has announced as of yesterday, on Monday, that he will be returning in 2024. Uh, with Oklahoma, as well as Billy Bowman last late last week and announced that he was also coming back. So two of the mainstays, two of the major uh, leaders, playmakers on the defensive side of the football will be coming back for OU's first year in the SEC. That's great. But um, gentlemen, we'll get to all that in a second because podcasting, one of the major tenets of podcasting is losing your fucking mind and uh, ranting and raving. So let's start with Caden Green stuff. So this this news hit, around it was right before i had a meeting today so this was around two o'clock and it shocked me it shocked all of twitter and apparently it shocked a lot of the ou football players themselves judging by some quotes from some stories from uh, members of the beat as stories have been coming out over the last few hours so alan i'll start with you i mean what are you doing in washington dc when you're just minding your own business going boy it's kind of good to be an OU fan. Like we, we've been getting good news after good news. Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the funny part is I think, OU also got news that they received, you know, a transfer from Purdue. Deion receiver. Burks. Yes. <laughs> like then this literally was within like an hour. So it was like, Oh, Hey, that's great. Oh, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. I mean, this is, this is a tough one just in terms of immediate impact. Um, given the, you know, kind of upheaval I think that OU will be going through on the offensive line next year. Uh, But, you know, it was, I mean, this was so, so out of the blue. I mean, completely caught everybody off guard. And, you know, uh, there were no indications that there was, like, from what what I've gathered, there were no indications there was any, like, unhappiness on Caden Green's part or anything like that. Um, So, I mean, just kind of dumbfounded. And then, but, you know, I mean, I don't know, man. Like players leave, they get thrown off the team, they get hurt. I don't know, man. You kind of got to just keep keep rolling, you know. Yeah, out of the blue. Um, look, I mean, you're right. I don't blame them for. I mean, it potentially uh, in ter- in regards to like, um, not being unhappy or you know any rumblings of, uh, frustration like that. Th- that hasn't really been the case with Caden Green. You know what? what I mean, what are we going to hear about an offensive lineman? You know, for that matter. But it's not necessarily been something where, when something like this happens, people are quickly people that are super tuned in to rumors or message boards or discords or what have you would go like, "Oh yeah, we kind of saw this coming." Like that. That is not the case. But to that, I mean. If I got to play as a true freshman with a lot of NFL potential in my future at a place like the University of Oklahoma, only to potentially make more money somewhere else for free, I would also be happy and I wouldn't be frustrated at all. So um, that's just me. That's just me bullshitting. I'm a crazy, crazy OU fan. So, you know, like, who cares? I'm not reporting anything. But Peyton, as you sip, was that a destination wedding? 
is a, a fresca. Sorry. Uh, no, it's a so, sparkling soda water. Um, what is this? Grapefruit citrus. Oh, oh, boy. I just threw you under the bus. I'm sorry. I know. It's so bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, well, we we still everybody still loves you. Um, Caden Green. Great. I mean, you said it when we were on or before we went on. Um, great player, but replaceable. So I think with respect to we, how how good we think Caden Green is right now and what he proved as playing in five or starting in five games as a true freshman at left guard with how great we think he could be with uh, more years of development. And he will be no matter where he is. Um, what exactly do you mean in terms of great, but replaceable and please let that answer be we're fucking OU. We'll get a good player who wants to be here. Well, I mean, it just depends on where how OU saw him coming, kind of coming into this next year and everything of that nature. I think that would really, really um, be an issue for for him at that point in time because if he were, you know, slated to take over that left tackle position that Guyton is now, you know, uh, vacating via the draft, um, yeah, it's it's a bad issue. But if if you know OU saw him as a guard and he's going to stay a guard and he's a guard even though he's got the longer arms and stuff could be a tackle. Then OU goes and gets Spencer Brown. And, uh, you know, where is he going to play? Sexton was already playing that left side. You're getting Spencer Brown for the right side, potentially. Then you have the, you know, your tackle positions figured out. And, you know, he's maybe thinking, hey, I, I came to this school to be a tackle. I was I was sold on, you know, <laughs> all of these NFL tackles uh, making all this money. And you're kind of shoving me into, into this left guard thing. And these are positions, I think, you know, we, we've kind of all mentioned about, that aren't the uh, you know glamorous positions, you know guards and centers and things of that nature, uh, even right tackle. If you're going to make money, you need to be on the left side. Uh, you know, historically speaking, guys are paying, getting paid across the board a little bit more uh, all the way. But if you want to be a big time guy, you'd be a left tackle, uh, especially at the University of you know Oklahoma. So if another school is offering him that position, offering him like maybe a bump in uh, rate of pay uh, to a certain degree, uh, maybe offering him a different um, uh, position. Uh, a chance it, it's hard to you know look at that because you know you have to look at what what how does OU see Spencer Brown do they see him as an immediate starter he was a starter at Michigan State I mean do they see him as depth piece and things of that nature that could have gone into this stuff and when you're looking at some of these more glamour positions you know defensive end corner uh quarterback obviously uh competition you need to have depth there um but it's always kind of a thing of how much depth can you have when you don't have a culture or a system set up like an Alabama or a Georgia, which is saying like, Hey, we're rolling in five stars every single year. This is going to get you better. Like university of Oklahoma hasn't proven like a Georgia has where they can still get guys drafted in the first round when they only play like a third of the snaps, <laughs> you know, it, so it, there's this, uh, a systematic prove it thing that's happening right now for, uh, for the university of Oklahoma. Matt, what was the text line like? <laughs> at three o'clock when he went on today well man uh i mean i, I started off with um you know caden green or, or just basically like since the texas game on you're replacing basically all five starters on the offensive line heading into the sec right rouse graduating um caden green transfer portal and his backup savion bird in the transfer portal as well um you know Losing Andrew Rame to the NFL, Tyler Guyton, right tackle the NFL, and then McCabe Natalier graduating. So you're going to have a whole new offensive line. Basically, I know Sexton started the last 
you know, three games or so. And, um, but still that's mainly what had people concerned. It was just like heading into the sec with a new quarterback, two new OCs and a whole new offensive line. That's, I mean, that's a tough task. And I think a lot of the sentiment was more so of, okay, if he's using this like leverage money, don't give it to him because it's more of a, Hey, if if you leverage money out and you, you set that precedent, which is a da- kind of a dangerous precedent of, okay. Yeah. If you just call us out publicly, we'll give in and give you money to come back here. So that sets that precedent of, okay, the next five-star, four-star, high four-star offensive tackle that has a great uh, first year or something, starts as a freshman, then he's going to do the exact same thing. You know, then it's, it's kind of, that's kind of was the big sentiment. It wasn't like, oh, well, he was no good anyways. I don't think that was, that, that was definitely not the, <laughs> we the never sentiment. Wanted him. Yeah, never wanted him in the first place. <laughs> it was just more of, yeah, about the, like what kind of precedent that sense that sends if you know, if they he does end up coming back to I muted myself mid mid step if he if he does end up coming back to Oklahoma <laughs> I accidentally hit the space bar with my left elbow um, but yeah it was it was all about the precedent sense that's what I was trying to say. The Spirit Shop has been Norman's source for wine, beer, and spirits since 1976. We feature the biggest selection and best prices in town. Thousands of different wines, beers, spirits, and more. Live in Norman? We deliver all over town, every day, usually in under an hour. Let us bring the party to you. Go to our website and order online at www.thespiritshop.org or give us a call at 405-321-321. 3100. That's 405 321 3100. In from out of town for the game? Come see us at the corner of Main and Barry, just two miles east of I 35. Take the Main Street exit and browse thousands of fine wines and hard to find bourbon in store. Ugh. This pains me to this pains me to bring up because it's something that was discussed, um, especially in the moment, gents. Um, it's since been it's since kind of died down as people have kind of like calmed down and got more accustomed to the news that Caden Green could potentially just walk out the door quite randomly. Uh, nothing nefarious happened for sure, but I mean, guys, w- walk me walk me away from this cliff with Bill Beatonbow. Um, The guy is one of the top coaches in the country in terms of offensive line depth. Uh, the guys that he's put into the league, the guys that he's coached, the guys that he's developed from no name recruits into legitimate NFL like players. I mean, the the guy's resume speaks for itself. He he speaks very highly of not just OU but the state of Oklahoma. He said on the record that he wants to retire here. Is you know this is where he wants to see the rest of his life is Oklahoma, and that that does mean a lot. Um, but. As time has as time has gotten further and further away from that 2018 offensive line, what what I have seen is, oh, you kind of turn into a grad transfer safe haven uh, for offensive line because for whatever reason it's it's been hard going to like have a unit of three to five guys that you can cycle through for two to three years, and so OU has taken the Walter Rouses and now the Spencer Browns. Um, it seems like every cycle to band-aid an offensive line unit. 
Um, there's also been years where it takes five, six, and sometimes even like this year into the Kansas game, that many games into a season to find five guys that you can roll with. And I'm all for having depth and rotating guys in and out. But I mean, it wasn't the it wasn't the only reason. It wasn't the reason OU lost to Kansas, but it was one of the contributing factors as to why the offense looked like crap for most of the time in Lawrence, because you've got a bunch of guys that are out there that don't know how to play with the guy next to them. I mean, that that's how it appeared to look. I don't know that for a fact, but it would just make sense that if you want to play offensive line at a high level, you need to know what the guy next to you is capable of doing or is going to do, or you can depend on them to know that they go to that linebacker and I stay here and you don't have to make up for their mental mistake. When you're throwing in Savion Bird for a random series when he's not played that much and he gets a stupid personal foul penalty after the whistle, like these things happen, but it's, it's, it's been like that for the last handful of years where Bill Beanbow tinkers with the offensive line deep, deep into the season past the Texas game. And then even with that um, game in Lawrence, this was never super confirmed, but it was essentially confirmed by Sooner Scoop uh, video from Eddie Rodosovich when, if everybody remembers, when Kendall Dolby got that flag for a, a stupid tackle out of bounds that really shouldn't have been called uh, Bill Beanbow was the coach who apparently got flagged for yelling at the ref or saying something to the ref that he felt that it was necessary to throw another flag. So that 15 yard penalty turned turn into 30 yards on a drive that Kansas scored on all that to say, guys, like if you're going to lose Caden green like this, it's just, it's one bad look after another. And I know Bill Beanbow is a good coach. So like Peyton, please t- I know I'm wrong. Please like confirm that I'm wrong. So I don't continue to think that way. Well, the issue is that we are not insiders. We don't have insider access. It's kind of understand the full development of these coaching situations and the, in the fluidity of the changes. I mean, you just had an offensive coordinator leave. <laughs> You've had Bill Beanbow on the record saying, Hey, I think the offensive line is going to perform better because of the offensive structure that, you know, uh, uh, trails bringing so on and so forth. So now you have, you know, a, a heralded left tackle recruit that's being made to play guard in a system in which he thought he was going to be playing in. Now it's being shifted over to something else. We're in bowl game practices. How much is Seth changing things and tinkering things already, you know, to kind of get things ready. Cause in my assumption, what Brent should be doing, I'm gonna stop saying assumption. In my opinion, what Brent should be doing is saying, this is a whatever game against Arizona, we're going to play hard through competitors, but we have the SEC coming up. <laughs> we need to have every single second we can is installing and practicing and getting the young guys ready to go. And he may have just said, this is not what I wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you know, it could have been just that. And then you've got people whispering sweet nothings in your ear. This is how the system work now. So it's player mobility. Uh, oh, nothing's going to change unless unless they do the uh, new subdivision where it's 30k per player each year as a minimum and then there's you know a, a no upper limit so you can be the yankees if you want to <laughs> or you can be the rays as long as you're hitting your uh, ceiling i mean sorry your, your floor uh, i think it's more of that at that potential time i don't know if it's necessarily a bill thing uh as more of just it's just the, the world of college football um but if you want to point a finger and and say this is bill and this is like uh I don't know. Like it's just, I I just have a hard time with it. Just mainly because, in my personal opinion, 
offensive line is the hardest position to evaluate. Now, quarterback is, is seen more because there's just one of them. If it doesn't work out, boom. And you can kind of hide offensive linemen that you can move them to guard. Maybe there's a reason why he's moved to guard. <laughs> but you can move them different places and things like that that kind of hide them. It's a five-unit thing. But you're talking about you're looking at a six-foot-eight, 290-pound, 17-year-old and thinking, how are you going to mature? <laughs> and it's, it's already an extremely rare thing to see those people just walking around and then saying, now I need you to be the strongest person on the field as well as be basically a ballerina all while doing it backwards. Uh, It's just, it can just be very difficult uh, to to see how that goes out. And we can complain about Bill Bingbo's, you know, recruiting acumen, but I don't think you can really complain too much about the development and identifying three-star guys who have become very, very talented and put together very, very strong offensive lines uh, at OU and in the NFL. Maybe a speedball is being lost. I'm not entirely for sure at that point in time. I, I think you still keep them a year here. And I think maybe it's just the idea, and I, I'm, I'm rambling a bit here because I've got, I, I know I have some other friends who are kind of running their own other podcasts like that saying, Bill's got to go. It's been a while. He hasn't signed anybody. I'm like, well, he's never signed anybody. Like that's never been his thing. <laughs> he's never signing five-star number three. I mean, often. doesn't happen often. But, you know, you're pointing at other schools and saying, look at them. They've got like three top 10. I'm like, that's just, it never seems to be the bag for offensive line in my opinion, but it, I, I guess that's my end of my, my little session. Yeah. I mean, I, I would probably say like if centers made more money when they got drafted in the NFL, I think Creed, would Creed be the best recruit that Bill assigned, like, especially in the last handful of years, or am I just other than Caden Green, am I just completely missing something? Because I think Creed was about as close to like, yeah, this guy's going to be a like a guaranteed very good player. How good we don't know because he's a center, but like he he played like a guy that like, oh yeah, that should have been a five star, but he's a center and they're never five stars. I think uh, I think Anton, Anton Harrison was a pretty high recruit. Okay, Anton was good. Yeah, again, like one of those right. like and, high four star guys. I don't I don't remember exactly where, but yeah, and I mean Peyton, you're right. Um, I should have brought this up when you mentioned it earlier about Spencer Brown, that um that acquisition oh you made in the transfer portal from Michigan State. Um, I don't I don't know if anybody's or everybody listening has listened or even you guys on the pod, if everybody's listened to uh oh God, Oklahoma breakdown. Um, you know, Gabe Gabe Eichard, when he's evaluating offensive line play, you know, that's when I'll like super tune in because obviously he knows what he's talking about when he's like looking for things and he's going to be seeing things that I'm not even seeing, even if I'm trying to look for like at a particular offensive lineman. Um, a lot of the things, and I know he's going through, uh, Spencer, um, Spencer Brown's like tape with a fine tooth comb. Um, after he was done talking about him, I was like, uh, are we sure we don't want to move Caden green to a tackle instead? You know, like maybe this guy can just be some insurance in case we can just slide Caden Green back to guard. Of course, that was a few days ago, and now Caden Green is potentially gone. So a little bit of a a weird dynamic, and I I hope this wasn't a case of we think you're going to be an NFL legend at guard, and we will not budge in moving you back to tackle, and that could have been something. But I, I don't think coaches are that arrogant. That's for fans to just kind of, make themselves feel better at night that, Oh yeah, they're just arrogant. And that's why this player left. Like they're smarter than that. So, I mean, a, I mean, Alan, is there anything else? Oh, in terms of, oh, go ahead. Very, very, very quickly. We're talking about, I talked a little bit about the uh, bill uh, BB's uh, 
recruiting, according to top uh, 24-7, the top five recruits of Bill Biedenba are number one, Bray Walker, Savion Bird, two, Nate Anderson, three, Andrew Rain, four, Caden Green, five. So not a great hit record <laughs> just on the top level uh, uh, for, for him. But if you go further, further down, then you start hitting uh, – you know, Anton Harrison, Sexton, Creed, stuff like that, Drew Sumea. So it, you've got guys who obviously he's gotten put together, but the top line of his recruiting isn't filled with a bunch of like really, really like great hits. So maybe that is something if you want to look forward to for like his top, top, top tier, top line recruiting. Yeah, but I mean, like he's about to have his second first round pick in a row. You know what I mean? I mean, Taylor Guyton is... Tyler Tyler Guyton was buried on the depth chart at TCU as a tight end. Yeah, yeah, and I mean he's now he's about to you know now he's about to be probably I mean like I saw you know Matt Miller of ESPN had something like a top fifteen grade on like Anton Harrison had a pretty is having a pretty strong rookie year from what I understand. I mean I I just I don't know uh, offensive line's weird man like everybody's complained about how bad the offensive line play is. And just in general, really in the last like 10 years, uh, you know, and I think that part of that has to do with more um, limits on, uh, you know, contact and, and hitting and practice and things like that. You know, you've also got, uh, you know, the, the COVID year, I think seems like it really screwed up offensive line development, but, you know, I mean, that's kind of a, that's just a universal thing across the board. I don't know. I mean, if I feel fairly confident that if OU let Bill Beanbo go uh, tomorrow, I mean he'd have a line of, of programs out the door waiting to waiting to to pick him up, and so like I just have a hard time squaring that with uh, with the consternation. Now, um, there's clearly there's an issue here with depth, right? I mean, just a numbers issue. I don't and, and how you get around that. I mean, that's just something that you know. Bill has to own, I guess, but man, I mean, I still look at him as a really good offensive line coach. I mean, no doubt. I mean, I, I agree. I agree. And as I get further and further away from the bombshell announcement, King green's going to leave. Um, I come back down further to earth and realize that that's the case. I don't need to like react angrily and say, fire this guy and fire that guy. It's not that. And, and I want to I mention something, uh, again, I, I know not everyone follows each and each, all of us on uh, on X or formerly known as Twitter. Again, trying to stick by the AP style guide uh, and, hang, and hang on each one of our tweets. But, you know, during some of the Lincoln Rylands, Lincoln Riley stuff this past year, I tweeted out, hey, maybe next time somebody runs away from an historically successful place, we don't start burning that place down and start thinking, why is this guy leaving them like why is Gaten yeah. Green leaving a school that pumps out first round draft picks you know every other year like maybe that maybe there's a different question to be had at that point in time because maybe OU does say dude we've tried you at tackle you ain't got the feet you're going to be guard or, you know or and, and, they or they said hey you know what man we needed you at guard this year given our personnel and you know you did a great job we're excited about the future for you. We'll try you at tackle. You know, I mean, this isn't like, I don't know. Like I'm, you could I have not played as a true freshman, you know, like, cause you wouldn't have played if you just wanted to be a tackle, you could have not played. Right. I mean, yeah, exactly. I'd like, I, there's a lot, there's a lot here that I think people are kind of presuming 
right? Like we don't we don't know enough about this. And hell, it could be that tomorrow, Caden Green is back in back at practice and all's right and yada yada. But like, if it's a case of school X came along and offered him, you know, an above market rate for you know for for an offensive lineman and he took it, well, like. There you go, man. Like that, that cannot be, I mean, OU, like I said, Bill Biedenboe is sending his second straight offensive lineman to the NFL draft as a first round pick this year. Like there's your value proposition. You know, if OU, if OU is compensating you fairly, uh, you know, and you're that concerned about getting a little bit above market when, you know, and you want to go play for a different program with a different offensive line coach who maybe doesn't have the same kind of track record of development, go for it. Like, sorry, like that's just how it's got to be. If that's the case. I, I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is a bless, bless his heart. Um, I'm going to butcher his last name, Matt, if you know this name, since you're on the radio, please correct me. Uh, the, the kid from, London, Daniel Akinkunmi. Yeah. Is that how you okay? Yeah. He tweeted out an hour ago. Um, this was retweeted by somebody, but he Daniel tweeted out, I'm trying to go to the NFL, not be a millionaire in college. Hashtag boomer sooner. It's like, okay, that's not good for the Broklahoma optics. And also he legally can't take any NIL deals. So that's a different part of that yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As a British citizen. Just because he's, he's a British allowed, citizen, yeah, yeah, he can't do that. So uh the, Love, love the energy, <laughs> love the energy. <laughs> Legally can't do it anyway, but you know, hey, get it out there, have fun with it. Just got to give him pounds, right? It's the exchange rate, it's that damn exchange rate. It, it's it's really bad. Anywho, yeah, it, it's a weird situation. I mean, real quick, guys, do we think that this is over? Like sign sealed, delivered. He's just not coming back to Oklahoma. Um, Because I know people are probably holding out hope, especially because Danny Stutzman, that report from Sooner Scoop last week, suggesting that he was going to go to the NFL draft. Brent Venables was kind of like he didn't deny the report, didn't refute it, um, but was really noncommittal in terms of like what's going to happen with Danny Stutzman's uh, relation to the team. And then for the weekend to come by and no graphic from Danny Stutzman coming out to Monday where he announces that he's not leaving. So that's in the air. OU fans are probably holding out hope that this is not done. Um, I mean, do we have any, like, a good feeling or that because this was so random and so out of the blue that it, it just can't it can't work out like, th- like this where he just remains on the team and basically made a leverage move, at least from an optic standpoint like this, and get away with it? I hate saying that because that sounds really mean, but I don't know how else to characterize it. I, I mean, I think that there's probably some, uh, and you know, nothing till the ink is dry, right? I mean, I, I guess my question is going to be like, how hard are the coaches going to work to bring him back into the fold? I, I really don't know. Again, like, you know, if he, if he felt like, you know, he was being undervalued by OU or something along those lines, like, this is like going to DEFCON one right off the bat. It seems like if that's the case. So you, I just don't know if as a program, you want to let that kind of thing go. Um, 
and you know like as in make that make it clear like you will uh abide by that as a negotiation tactic or something like that so you know i think that's kind of the the bigger issue here at this point is for for the ou coaching staff is you've got to think about it like that like what what do we want to incentivize going forward anything else matt peyton you want to add I mean, nothing more to add than just the idea of we don't know everything that's going on. Uh, you know, there's rumors abound about being upset with something, you know, maybe some NIL stuff going on. Uh, I cannot remember the life of me. I've had him on Jason Blazer, uh, I believe. Uh, had him on twice on the Patreon. Uh, he runs uh, uh, Crimson. He runs the overarching collective uh, structure that then uh, Crimson and Cream Collective is a part of. And he's even saying they're getting text messages of guys saying, I want literally 10 times the amount I made last year in these NIL deals. He's like, there is something that's happening that is not sustainable for a lot of these athletes. And they're going to, you know, FOFA on some of this stuff and get left out to dry. So we don't know what's really going on. You know, is he being offered a whole bunch more money? He's being offered playing time. Did he see what happened for somebody else who maybe leveraged something to kind of come back after they got mad? I mean, you don't know how things are going on. It does set a very bad precedent and precedent. Uh, I, I just don't think, oh, you need it. It, it kind of reminds me again, with just a slightly, slightly different political topic, uh, like Oklahoma City, they got to vote. Yes, you're in bed of a crook and they're pointing a gun at you and you're being robbed, but you have no real other answer if you want to keep this basketball team around. Uh, Caden Green may have Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Sooner football program that way too, if they don't have a, a you know a legitimate or a viable option at uh, at guard in which he would be playing. So um, it sucks if OU will have to get into that. But if it's just a misunderstanding and miscommunication or something like that, this is why you got people on staff. You talk to them. I don't. I I personally just don't want to set that precedent. Of, of that that again that's that's my main concern too is that um yeah like okay if it, if it was jackson arnold doing this then maybe i'd be like okay well you got to keep your guy around you know got to keep your guy around uh i know Caden green's really good started as a true freshman did some good things at, at guard um but now i would i think i would rather go and tamper and try to bag somebody else's guy then, you know, I, I would work around it that way, being like, okay, let me try to tamper with someone else rather than setting precedent of, okay, everyone on this team can now go be like, I'm going to go to the transfer portal, but I'm willing to listen to what you offer me. Uh, if you, if you want to up the bag, since you did that with Caden, you're not going to do that with me. You do that with Caden though. So I, I, that's a, that's, that's a really dangerous precedent. And, you know, I mean, it, we talked about this a little bit today too it is professional sports. Like, I mean, you're like, your guys are going to be free agents at times. Like, I mean, like Kevin Durant was a free agent and he went to a place uh, where he wanted to go. But uh, you know, this happens all the time in pro sports. Like you're one of your best players goes into free agency. You have to put up some change to get him. Now is Caden green. One of those guys that you would go do that for. Like you'd break the bank for like, Hey, here's a max contract. No, I, f- I would feel different if it was the Jackson Arnold or if back in the day, if Kyler Murray did this, I'd be like, yeah, no, I, yeah, he's worth every penny. But for, I mean, a freshman guard who did some good things this year, 
I don't know. That's that's not for me to decide, though. And then finally, if Caden Green has to go somewhere else, guys, if you had to choose one school, where would you want him to end up, and why is it the University of Missouri? I mean, OU's history with Missouri is uh, fairly one-sided. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> there'll be an opportunity here to... If they're if they if they are that petty, to remind uh, remind him, you know who who's who in this relationship, um, but uh, you know, yeah, I'm uh, I don't know. I mean, if it is Missouri, um, you know, I guess it, good good luck, enjoy. Yeah, I mean, just. Play the sports, make money, and that's ultimately what a lot of these players will do. So, I mean, good for them. But just who wants to really fucking play for Eli Drinkwitz? I mean, that guy is such a fucking they're, dork. Hey, Matt, I'm sorry, I just have two F-bombs in about three seconds right he, there. But he's a total dork. But he's I don't such know, a dork. To be they're they're clearly better than Oklahoma. Like <laughs> they're clearly better than Oklahoma guys. I mean, by virtue of the rankings and the committee, right? That that's what I was led to believe that they are they're. Their near victory over Jaden Daniels led LSU is better than anything OU ever did. Um, their loss to Georgia is better than, um, I mean, OU's win over, let's say, West Virginia. Like, they're clearly a better team. So if Caden goes to Missouri, I guess that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'm not looking forward to that end of the season matchup in Columbia, a place that OU has won only about a fucking half a million times. Anywho, let's get to the good news. Danny Sussman and Billy Bowman are back. And um, it was surprising, at least with uh, Stutzman's announcement on Monday morning, Monday afternoon, whenever it was, um, considering the report that came out a week prior, suggesting that he and Brent Venables had had a conversation where Danny revealed that he was ready to forego his final season at OU and head to the NFL. We are led to believe via the reporting from Soonerscoop.com that that conversation did in fact happen, but that Danny Stutzman in the days after um, and probably with more conversations with his family and then the coaching staff, uh, belief that coming back would be the best option. And so it doesn't necessarily matter how we got there. All that we care about is that Danny Stutzman is coming back along with Billy Bowman. So guys, uh, and I'll start with uh, you, Alan. We already know it's going to be such an uphill battle year one in the SEC, um, especially if you just break it down from a game-by-game standpoint. I mean, the non-conference slate is going to be kind of sneaky interesting because I know Houston isn't very good, uh, but they did show that with the talent that they have as a now a Power 5 program, that when they played in OSU or they played at Texas, when they played the better teams on their schedule, they could show up and make it interesting. They had a huge win against West Virginia. Well, they subtracted Dana Holgerson, who OU has had quite a, <laughs> a stranglehold over, um, ever since his time at OSU or even Texas Tech, uh, and replaced him with Willie Fr- Willie Fritz, the uh, head coach over the last few years for uh, Tulane. So I'm going to safely assume that that's quite the upgrade in coaching. Now, just an off season, I don't know how much of a positive spin you can have on a program like Houston, but that's that's going to be an interesting matchup. Um, Temple, I don't know what Temple is. They seem to have a random good year every once in a while. Um, I mean, Al Golden had some good years with them. Matt Rule had some good years with them. Um, is Al Gold? Is that funny? 
I, I just forgot that Al Golson was there. Yeah, no, I, yeah. No, you're right. He he did uh, lead the Temple Zons or whatever. Yeah, I sure. remember wanting him to be good at Miami for two reasons. One, I want Miami to be good again because I want OU to beat the shit out of them in a game of of magnitude to truly avenge the '80s. I want that to happen in my lifetime. And then B. I kind of wanted a coach to succeed that wore a shirt and tie. Wore a it's, tie, it's, yeah. It's just kind of a cool look. And I, I would the most ask, memorable thing about him is that he wore a tie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, um, I wouldn't ask Brent Venables to do it because you're sit, standing on the sideline on Owen Field in September. Like nobody should be wearing a shirt and tie. Not even Joe Castiglione. But um and then and then we'll have who else? There's Temple. Maine. Ma- they're the November like SEC cupcake game was Tulane and Houston Tulane Houston okay yeah so oh and and Tulane yeah so not only are we playing Willie Fritz now we're playing his old squad and I believe Tulane's leaving or losing a lot of their talent I've seen that they've had some guys announce they're coming back but that's a program that has seen a lot of success very recently and is going to come into Norman with at least some pride and at least the belief that no we can we can do this stuff again like we almost came here and won a few years ago and we've had a lot of success in the years in between. So let's do it again. So it's going to be a sneaky, good non-conference. All that to say, like it's not just the sec that's going to be an uphill battle considering we're going to start a new quarterback, considering you're going to have a new offensive coordinator, if not one, but two, um, just a lot of new faces, a lot of new dynamics on this team. But Alan, knowing that Danny Stutzman and Billy Bowman are back like that, that makes at least makes me feel very comfortable, at least on the defensive side of the ball. But it makes me feel very comfortable from the overall standpoint of team leadership. Yeah, the leadership piece that you mentioned is the one that I think is you don't want to overlook. I mean, for all I mean, Stutzman's antics and everything, like clearly his IQ this year as a football player got better. I mean, he was better at diagnosing stuff. He was better at getting guys lined up. Um and so having that kind of presence just back out on the field is a big deal. Uh, I, I mean, I thought that I, I was really surprised that Bowman didn't get more kind of accolades nationally in terms of all American teams and whatnot, because I mean, what more really can you do <laughs> than he did this year? Uh, he He's a huge, huge uh, piece returning for OU too. And again, uh, another leadership piece back there. And, you know, uh, it will help also kind of just solidify that secondary where, you know, uh, I don't know what's going to happen like with Woody Washington and things like that, but you got some, some guys who are, you know, moving on. Um, so, you know, all in all, I mean, Oh, you just needed this. You know what I mean? Like they really just needed familiar faces with some experience and seasoning to, uh, to help kind of lead this transition. Cause you know, it's, it's just, it's going to be a different way of doing things week after week. Yeah. And Peyton with, you know, what Billy Bowman was able to do with what Danny Stutzman was able to do this season from an individual standpoint. Um, I mean, a lot of the kind of people that are covering the team that have their podcasts, um, talking about the potential for either Billy or Danny to leave after this season or come back. I mean, a lot of them basically said the same thing. Like, look, they're having great years, but if they just do somewhat of a fraction of what they're doing this year, but next season in the SEC, 
it's going to, I mean, no pun intended, it's going to mean more because scouts are going to say, okay, you're not doing that against like some fifth, six year quarterback at Baylor or Texas Tech and a bunch of five foot nine wide receivers. You're doing this against a bunch of the NFL talent. So, you know, Billy Bowman, what he have three pick sixes. He has one pick six next year and essentially kind of the same kind of level of play that he's had over the last year and a half. He's going to be on, on an all American team, he's going to be a, a Thorpe finalist because of the accolades that come with and and the spotlight that comes with playing in the SEC. So, I mean, Peyton, when you when you see players of that magnitude say, like, not only am I coming back, but I want to be a part of OU's first foray into the SEC, I mean, how truly important is it to just put the damn patch on our jersey and take kind of like the, yeah, yeah we're joining them. Oh, oh, well, it's like Sting joining the NWO Wolfpack. It's, you know, it's kind of weird, but... It'll look cool, but um, it's going to bring about positive things like retaining, I don't want to say fringe NFL talent, but maybe fringe, like high draft pick NFL talent, retaining that player for an extra year. Yeah, it, to, just, I guess to me to echo on what you guys are saying, I think the biggest part of it is is the um, the leadership part. I mean, uh, there was a chart I tweeted out uh, that was helped me. Who put this together for me? I've already forgotten. I've, oh, my it's God. PFF. Uh, no, it was, it was a KB underscore analytics, uh, Kyle B, he, but it was based off PFF, basically saying uh, Danny had kind of topped out around 70 and on his PFF grade was the highest he'd ever gotten. Uh, and then based on what we believe his relative, uh, his, his RAS relative athletic score would be, he'd be looking like a, a 150 to a top 200 pick at that point in time. Uh, Off-ball linebackers aren't just that valuable to begin with. And then, you know, I wouldn't consider him the most athletic at that point in time for uh, like speed and things of that nature. Obviously he isn't eh. he, what he's really, really good at and was really good at was getting in, getting into the uh, gap and hitting a running back. Um, I, I wouldn't consider him like a coverage guy or something like that. So regardless of how that kind of went off when you got his grades back or something of that nature, I wouldn't have expected him to be, you know, he's like a fourth, fifth, sixth rounder type guy at this point in time. Now, that might be weird. I may be really off base, but historical trends kind of bear that out. Uh, Billy Bowman, I don't know as much about him. I haven't asked around too much about like his, you know, his like athletic profile versus production and things of that nature. Uh, and also you have to deal with him being somewhat undersized. Uh, my assumption is he would be something around the similar range, like a fourth, fifth rounder type of guy. So yeah, you are getting to the point in time where these would have basically led the charge of your defense, but it is nice for them to come back because it's that's how the Clemson model was made. You know, you're getting the guys who could be mid rounders to stay one more year because it's not truly going to impact their overall draft grade, in my personal opinion, that much more. I don't think Danny's going to just get to a four or five runner uh, because he plays in the sec but he may be, be more valuable i guess if he's proving it against a um, a stronger type of iron uh, i i guess and and you you do see that you do see sometimes some uh some sec bump on on that level and also yeah if he's able to have this same type of season again in the sec he's going to win those awards i mean he just will because that's just how it works the political nature of these narrative driven media awards it's just going to happen at that point in time um so that's something i, I guess that's from there but I, the, the better part is yeah you, you keep your 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 secondary and your linebacking core basically intact uh to a certain degree or you know you're, you're in positions 
um, where the only thing you're really, really, really needing to, you know, beef up is the interior of the defensive line. Uh, but keeping them back, I, I'm not going to poo-poo that. They have a chance to both write themselves down as historically great, you know, OU college football players. Like, you know, Billy Bowman can easily be, you know, you know, for, for a certain age and stuff like that. You know, I, I was thinking like, man, Tony Jefferson is amazing. You know, <laughs> he's that kind of a guy. And Billy has a chance to be that kind of a guy for Oklahoma where he's just a stat just outrageous at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean... I think the biggest thing for them on an individual level, uh, kind of going back to what I said about them doing, you know, you don't need three pick sixes next year to maybe backdoor into being a finalist or a semifinalist for the Thorpe. But if you have, you know, one or two, you know, that would be, of course, awesome for us. But Billy and Danny are going to go into the next season after an entire offseason of people like hyping them up to be great. And so therefore anything that they do is going to have a brighter spotlight on it than Billy's pick six against Iowa state to start the game off. Or, um, you know, even Danny's heroics, at least from a narrative standpoint about, you know, to, um, Oklahoma fears, God, Texas fears, Oklahoma, and then playing well against Texas in an upset victory. Like all that's going to be magnified by virtue of playing in a tougher conference against better competition. Um, but I mean, Matt real quick, I know last year, you know, Woody Washington, Isaiah Coe, those are not necessarily players to write home about that. Yeah, we got them to stick around. But in the era of the transfer portal, in the era of um, coaching staffs changing on a whim and players kind of using that as a reason or excuse to transfer elsewhere, um, getting guys to stay like Woody Washington and Isaiah Coe after a six and seven season with a new staff, I mean, at the time I thought that that was so important and a very good sign of Brent Venables and the type of program he wants to run of like that level of player that can be a consistent starter for us. We will not lose them. We will try our best not to lose them and retain them to continue to, to develop them so that we can allow ourselves to play, you know, a Peyton Bowen and not have to rely on him as a, as an 18 year old true freshman and live with the mistakes and who knows what that does to their confidence moving forward in their career. But all that being said, like that was just like part one, part two would be like, okay, the Billy Bowman's, the Danny Stutzman's like the step up in player talent. If you can keep those players, that gives me a whole lot more confidence moving forward. Brent uh, leading the program that that type of player we can, we can now as OU fans, we've got, two years of evidence to look forward now of like a player of that magnitude. Okay. Hey, they, they may, unless they are a surefire first round pick or even a second round pick, we can hopefully assume that they can come back and it's not necessarily uh crimson colored glasses. Yeah. I mean, everyone, everyone always points to the, the Clemson teams that did that. And Clemson was really good at getting those guys to come back. I mean, what they had the what three or four first round defensive linemen all come back uh for their their last seasons you know i, I think um that is a, that is a good sign though if you get because i mean i i think i'm kind of with i don't know if you guys were had the same knee-jerk reaction when the sooner scoop report came out that danny stutzman was going to the nfl i was like oh well billy bowman's probably gone too and you know a week later here we are both of them coming back for their final years it's just i mean I, that's like alan said earlier like that's I think, oh, you needed this. <laughs> they needed these guys coming back. Um, because I mean the 
simply put, those were the two best players on defense all year. <laughs> and you get those guys coming back going into the SEC. That's just uh, that gives you just a little bit more confidence uh, heading into that conference and that that kind of grind of a schedule. But again, if that and to you mentioned Woody Washington, you which you mentioned uh, Isaiah Coe. Um, you know, Woody Washington was pretty good this year. I mean, he's just as almost as solid as they come. And then Isaiah Coe, I thought, took another step this year and at, at times was was kind of unblockable. So, um, you know, that, making that sort of a habit of getting those guys to come back and, um, you know, the, maybe some younger guys seeing that, oh, okay, Billy Bowman and, you know, and Danny Stutzman are staying okay, maybe, maybe there is something here that maybe I, maybe I can, if I get in that position where, you know, don't know where my draft grade is, maybe like whatever, fourth, fifth round, maybe I do come back and see if it, you know, see if that improves. And if not, then, Hey, I can still be a fourth, fifth round guy and make some more money in NIL along the way. Like, I think that is um, something that, you know, can be a good part of, you know, this, this whole NIL discussion. I mean, it's, it's news all you needed. And so I guess that basically guarantees that in the short term, I mean, I don't know how, how much we're like worried about this, but I guess Stutzman Bowman have already confirmed they're, they're practicing for the bowl game. They're going to play in the bowl game. Jackson Arnold talked to the media today. So he's more than likely going to start. You know, I I guess Dylan's just gone, you know, now he's at Oregon. Um, and we wish him well, except for uh, Oregon team success. Fuck Oregon. I'm never going to forgive them, but, um, I mean, any, anything else on the good news guys, because like, it, it's a shame that we're not like patting ourselves on the back with the whole, like, yay, we got two great players to come back. Oh, gr- great. This Caden green kid's going to like ruin not only our days, but the podcast. So let's just talk about the bad stuff. But I mean, you kind of mentioned it really quickly, Alan, it, with the Dion Burks transfer from P- Purdue, um, according to people that cover college football, he's one of the better, if not the best receivers in the tra- or was in the transfer portal. Um, his stat line is very impressive, especially when you remember that he plays for Purdue. So you look at those, what 47 catches, 700, 800 yards and seven touchdowns or whatever it was. And if you just kind of like copy paste him to like a Texas tech or a UCF, <laughs> he's probably going to have like closer to about 85 catches, maybe 900 yards and 14 touchdowns, you know? So it's like he had an uphill battle playing in Purdue's offense. So um, to me, grabbing a guy like that, and I believe he's from, is he from Michigan or did I read that wrong? I think he's from, I don't, I don't think he's from from the state of Michigan. I think. Yeah, Yeah. So he's not, he doesn't have any ties to this area. I think grabbing a player like that, that has a lot of talent. He's very, he's very fast. He's great with the ball in his hands, grabbing a player like that with, a brand new offensive coordinator who's also not necessarily from that area has never coached in that area of the country at all. That is, I mean, in an, on a day where we need to look for some hope that that's a very good sign, Alan. Yeah. And you know what? I don't even think he's, I think he committed to you without visiting. I think is what I, is what I remember. He had a UT visit at least reported to be planned. So um, maybe we took a little bit of Caden green's money uh, promised to him in NIL and thinking he wouldn't notice it. And then that that's what caused all this and gave it to well, Dion Perks. Yeah. Well, to be fair, um, Jeff Ketchum of Orange Bloods reported earlier today that uh, 
although they Texas was interested in him, they there are some players that they prefer a little bit more. So <laughs> did he um, report that naturally. after? <laughs> did he report, did he report that after he committed to OU? Yes, after. It, I, but, I would, but he did he did say, "Oh, it's a good pickup for OU." So. I wouldn't want it any other way. Thanks, <laughs> Indeed, right? thanks, Jeff. So yeah, um, no, and you know it's it's kind of funny. Well, like I don't know. I I mean we've all watched Big Ten football. Like it's it's kind of one of these things where you know you just show them a little bit of our tape and say, "Hey, would you rather come play here or would you rather do what you're doing?" Like. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's really not. It shouldn't be a very hard choice, right? And I mean, you know, I I think you could also point to a guy like Andrew Anthony, though, coming from, you know, the uh, the frozen tundra up there, Van Arbor, down to a, a more, um, you know, modern day offense, and and getting the opportunities that he got, and and think about how he's perceived now versus uh, before before last season. I mean, you know, it, it's a it's a it it feels to me like it's a strong sales pitch. And uh, I think, I mean, another weird thing from today is we didn't even mention it, but can, kind of connected to the overall transfer portal conversation. Um, I mean, what's, what's the kid's name from South Carolina? Is it Mario or is Anderson? I think Mario Anderson. Cause mm-hmm. I want to say Mario Williams and like, Oh no, that'll not that guy. Um, the run, the freshman running back from South Carolina, who kind of similar to Deion Burks, where you look at his stat line, you know, 700 yards, um, seven touchdowns on a bad team in the SEC. You know, that's that's pretty damn good. You just kind of copy paste that over to OU, uh, potentially. I think he's down to us, USC, Memphis, and somebody else. I can't remember. Um, if you copy paste that over to OU, you know that that would be pretty damn good uh, but that 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 was with the notion that Caden Green would also be blocking for him but a weird thing from practice today is that Tommy Walker who entered the portal a week and a half or two ago was practicing and I mean I, I guess entering the transfer portal is like when a rookie holds out in training camp in the NFL where they do not practice until that contract is signed and so with Tommy Walker's presence at practice that that tells me that He's either agreed with the coaching staff prior to entering the transfer portal that he would enter the portal, but perform in the bowl game as kind of like a giving you my two weeks notice and having that kind of good grace, or he would enter the portal, didn't like what he saw and just said, I I'm better off at OU. If that's the case, I don't know if you're going to be able to pull a talented uh, underclassman running back from a program, um, from a conference opponent in South Carolina, I just don't know what the room looks like when you especially add Xavier Robinson and Taylor Tatum, but is there Peyton, Matt, are there, is there anything else, any other transfer portal rumors that may not have been reported, but people, OU fans are strongly hinting at could happen. But again, in the era of potentially, you know, this is me speculating coaches or whomever calling players as coaches from other schools. um, If that's going to be the way the game is played, please call DJ Hicks's dad and tell him, Hey, we can give you a job in Norman. You can be a coach somewhere else around here. I mean, I think Norman West North high school, baby. I think, yeah, I was going to say, I think Norman <laughs> North needs a coach. Let's do this. This is the sec. Play the game. Peyton, play the game. I mean, yeah. I, 
I, I, I, I'll be honest to the listeners here. I haven't been totally too paying too much attention to the transfer news other than when it pops up from, from a, a graphic. Uh, I'm glad OU has gotten two guys with graphics. I did notice there was another uh, a cornerback, it seems, uh, Oklahoma got that did not get a graphic, or maybe I missed it. So, um, we're 6'2", maybe... Mountain yeah. West, uh, honorable mention. Uh, was it Cortez, is that his name? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Oh, I think. Uh, like it, like so, the size, like the size. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, it's just we're in the silly season uh, for, for this type of stuff. This is going to happen. We have December, you know, thing to be excited about is that, hey, signing, you know, first first round of signing day is going to be here. Uh, another thing to be potentially excited about is that McKinley, uh, you know, five starts of his tackle said he won't be signing until February uh, uh, when he seemed pretty much a lot for where he was. I think it was LSU at that time. Uh, so there's a chance now. Uh, maybe OU's able to get in there. There was some smoke and some rumor of OU trying to get re-engaged into another five-star defensive tackle to pair with Stone. So, I mean, there's stuff. I mean, it's college football. It, it's crazy uh, to kind of get into it. NFL draft, obviously, coming up, pro days, all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, bowl game preparation. It, it's a fun time to be a college football fan. Uh, you know, Colorado, who I I don't even know if they have a full coaching staff, has basically re- revamped their entire offensive line. <laughs> Uh, so hey, there's stuff in there. If you want to go in there and dig around and find it, you can. Um, it, it'd just be interesting how OU kind of goes forward, especially, you know, hey, it's uh, I don't know, it, it's third year now <laughs> for for Brent. I mean, he's got to continue this momentum uh, some way, shape, shape, or form. And speaking of Colorado, who's their O line coach now, Peyton? Oh, Phil, right? Got yeah. him in there. Yeah, yeah got so his first OU connection there. His first uh, like full on coaching gig. So. Uh, Good for Phil Odholt. Did he still Caden Green? Yeah, I was I was gonna bring that up. It's like, what if Caden Green ends up at Colorado? Because because it was like, oh, go go be go be great, Big Phil. We're so proud of you. Hey, hey, wait a minute. Absolutely not. That's not how this is done. What the hell, Phil? If you were gonna be good, you were gonna be the heir apparent to Bill Beanbow. Boy, yikes. Yeah, it's just weird. College football is weird. Offseason is weird. And I mean, signing day, early signing day is what? In a, is it next week? I believe it's Tuesday, yeah. So we're going to find out some things. We might have some surprises, might have some disappointments because that's what signing day is. I can still remember being at the gym uh, for signing day when Peyton Bowen signed with Oregon. And I think I was deadlifting and I... I saw it pop up on my wrist as I went up and I could see like the graphic with Peyton Bowen in a Oregon Jersey. And I just slammed the bar down and was like, I I just fucking hate being a college football fan. I hate it. I just hate this stuff. And then of course the rumors started swirling that he didn't sign his name on the dotted line or he wrote, he wrote like AM instead of PM and it's null and void. So he's still on the table, but if like anything fun with Dominic McKinley or something like that is going to happen, but Hey, um, Oni Kuno called it, called it, you know, shoot or shoot. I'm glad that we're still trying for the big fish out there. Um, anything else gents, uh, OU centric. I mean, anything about Jackson Arnold talking to the media as QB one, like peak your interests, anything else that we may have missed. Jalil Farouk alluded to coming back. Um, I can't remember who mentioned it, but I think somebody had mentioned it on a podcast that there were top rumors of whatever level that Jalil Farouk might not necessarily go to the NFL, but might transfer. 
And I'm like, well, that's that's weird. I hope that that's not the case. He was, I'll admit, I was a little disappointed with Jalil Farouk's play this year overall. He had some really great moments. And there were times where I feel like his former OC put him in a stupid fucking position because his former OC is a stupid fucking moron. But um, it is what it is. It wasn't always his fault. Um, but hopefully with um, maybe more of a pronounced role in the slot next year, if Jalil Farouk does indeed come back, that will bring out the best to him. But you get Dion Burke, so I don't know if that's even going to be the case. So we're still going to throw deep nine routes to Jalil Farouk, I guess, that being the plan. But that happens, and now we just kind of point the compass to signing day in the Alamo Bowl. But anything else, guys? No, I think that's. Uh, I think we covered everything. The only like, I, I guess, like not necessarily. I mean, I guess it's OU related. I mean, it, it absolutely is. But it was. It had more to do with um, Alan. Your piece that you wrote. What was that on Sunday or Monday? Uh, I can't remember when it was published. I think it came out late last week. Yeah. Yeah. So you had one line in one of the last few paragraphs, and it just really, it really grinded my gears. And I'll just read. I'll just read it verbatim. It's on the last paragraph. Um, for Olega, and this is on Patreon.com, everybody, where we post extra content for our patrons who we love 0.69 percent more uh, than one than those listening for free. You know, it's not that much, but you know, we we, we got to keep keep in line. Um, but Alan wrote a piece um, about what one of the like there are a zillion reasons why OU is going to the SEC, OU in Texas. Um, one of them could be you know the content of this article. I won't, I won't read it all, but just a little tease, but this last paragraph you wrote for a leg up in this shambolic system, the Sooners and the Longhorns are tossing aside history in a conference they founded and asking their fans to manufacture some hatred for Vanderbilt, Mississippi state. I'm going to tell you something right now. I hate Mississippi state. And I, (laughs) I, I, I wish we were playing them this year because I want Brent to bend them over a barrel in so many ways because um like like we've already at least i've shared ou alamo bowl arizona arizona great team this will be a fun matchup oh you should be in a better bowl game and they are not because of mississippi state's head coach so i i want vengeance so there's no manufactured hate there and then also i mean ou owns the big 12 we're not going to miss matchups with iowa state we're not going to miss matchups with Texas Tech. And a lot of us, I'm not everybody, but I am one of the crazy OU fans who will not miss the OSU game at all. Like I will not think about it one one second of my life until they ever show up on the schedule again for whatever reason. Um, but at the time when the announcement was made a few years ago that we were moving to the SEC, I was a little sad that, and we are walking away from a hundred years of history with this conference. Like, and that's a little that makes me feel a little sad. Like we're just, we're going to make a new one, but you know, the conference and the hist- historical legacy that I inherited as a fan born in 1990, that's gone now. And so there's a lot of cool things about making a new one, but there's also some sad parts about just walking away from that history, but I'm going to have no problem hating LSU. I'm going to have no problem hating Alabama or Georgia or Auburn or Florida, because these are programs that we've played a handful of times, you know, not just historically, but, you know, in recent years, these are programs that have won national championships and therefore maybe not Auburn, maybe not even Florida, 
but in terms of winning championships, they're on our level. Like they are on OU's level. So it's not a conference filled with a bunch of tryhards who, if we win one game and it's against OU, I'm going to tell my grandkids about it. We're not in that conference anymore. So manufacturing hate with um, a lot of these schools, like, yes, we won't have the historical tie with an Alabama or Tennessee, but I mean, I we're not even in the conference right now and I hate them already. Yeah, I mean, and I think that, you know, that's probably the way there are quite a few OU fans that feel that way. Like, and, you know, I agree that there's a certain level of nostalgia, like maybe that I'm I'm making up for the Big 12 or what have you. But like, man, I don't know. I just, OU has no, OU has played Auburn, what, once? You know what I mean? Like, what? bowl game? Twice. Uh 71 sugar bowl and then the okay yeah Bob's you're right last game. yes yeah i mean like come on like that really i mean the, like i don't know I, it was the the whole thing that really started me down this road though was thinking about the idea that like i mean in a certain sense alabama really lobbied their way into the playoff like i think that there was kind of an assumption that yeah, maybe Florida State didn't didn't have a great year or whatever, but I mean they did all they could, right, to at least put themselves to have an undefeated season. And there was this idea that really came across in a lot of the post hoc reporting about the the decision that the uh, college football committee selection game made that was like, you know, it, it was just like, oh well, we can't have a playoff without having the SEC champion. And it's like, come on, man, like if that's the kind of like brainwashing, like, I don't know. I've just never been big on that whole kind of thing. Like, you know, the idea that, Oh, well now OU's kissed into this club, you know, by, by virtue of being part of the sec now. And that is what, you know, is going to help, uh, you know, separate OU now or make OU special, like, like they are. And it's like, I don't know, man. OU didn't build the SEC. OU didn't have any say in any of this. It's not our, it's not, it's like, it's not our house, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't, the whole thing is just, it's just kind of sad when you start to think about like how much of the sport is really being driven, not upon, driven by, not upon, not necessarily like, teams you really want to play or have a history with or anything like that. But now it's more just this TV mini series, essentially at the end of every college football season. You know what I mean? Like that's driving everything now. And, you know, now we're using this really just made for TV conference. It's a whole thing. Just, I don't know. It just, it just feels really hollow to me, I guess. Yeah. In, in my mind too, I'm going to add on to that. It's just the regionality of it all. I mean, I know the SEC is at least, continuous uh whatever uh it's of one big landmass but like we all touch each other uh, yeah yeah i i work with people who graduate from tcu and oklahoma state and texas in texas tech you know one, one of my guys uh who's in in public relations played uh offensive uh played guard at texas tech uh in the early 90s so it's like i know these guys i don't know a single fucking person from vanderbilt you know <laughs> I, don't, I don't know anybody from kentucky who works in our area so like that so thing there's going to be like we, I mean, we are an outpost, not only walk into a house we didn't build, we are like on the complete other, you know, desert edges gonna, of the, we're gonna know, the be frontier the, of the SEC. We're going to uh, be the that, Lambeau. That's the part that's going to be weird. We're going to be the Lambeau field of the SEC in November. Like yeah. 
Beans will not yeah. want to come to Norman because it's it's too fucking cold up yeah. there. Awesome. And we're like we're well, like up yeah. there. I guess the other thing about it too though is like I I mean to me the idea like okay, like winning the big eight, winning the big twelve, for example, like it it actually meant something in my mind in the sense that like you know it's just uh, that's what you that was that was like a prize in and of itself in my mind and yeah obviously winning a national championship is great but it's like this theoretical construct in the first place in college football like the, it's an absurdity to think that there's some kind of way of even having one of these a national championship and like now though like like make no mistake that is the end goal like there is no i mean there you know the the whole idea now that like 10 and 2 seasons are good and winning winning a conference championship is a is a good year and stuff like that i mean like a lot of that's going to fall by the wayside in the new in this in this entirely new era i mean that's but you know i mean that that there's no other reason for OU and Texas to leave the Big 12 but for that like you know what i mean like you are you are doing this so that you can become part of uh the big boy club you know yeah because there's there's talk of that like why would oklahoma leave because they have they have it set up in the big 12 you know you gotta be you beat one team and then you're in you know that type of a thing and i think this is missing the point there and there's also the other side of it where and I'm somewhat uh, uh, guilty of this talking point too at times where it's, you know, Oklahoma plays the big bad SEC in the bowl game and, and gets kind of their nose shoved in the dirt because they haven't been, these teams they're playing against aren't preparing them correctly. It's like, well, how many times has OU, you know, in our recent past gone undefeated in the Big 12? I mean, it, it doesn't really, the games are games. And OU got bad draws a lot of those times and played the best team, period. Mm. Uh, you know, they played the best LSU team ever. <laughs> you know, they played the yeah. one of the best Alabama teams ever. You know, stuff like that. It's like, well, what the fuck are you going to do uh, to a certain degree at that point in time? Um, and it's just, you have to also understand that Oklahoma, no matter the conference it's going to be in, is going to be a top 10, top seven recruiter. It's just, I, I don't, it, it, it changes a coat of paint. There's going to be another range. That's just maybe the only, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of a fan on this. I like the big A. I like playing those teams. Yeah, maybe they don't bring enough fan bases, enough enough eyeballs don't get looked at it. And OU is considered the the Super Bowl of all this stuff. And o Oklahoma, you know, has nothing, has quote unquote, nothing to gain and everything to lose. Uh, in the games against Kansas State and Iowa State and Kansas, but I don't know. It was kind of cool also to be key, to be the big guy on the block, <laughs> and that was kind of cool too, you know. Uh, so I, I don't know. It, it'll be cool to see new teams and play new players, but I'm I'm gonna try to buy some like some vintage Big Eight gear <laughs> and kind of wear it around. <laughs> no, I think ideally, I mean, I, I probably said it a handful of times, but I water it down with my, like, I'm tired of these try hard programs. Cause I say that more times than I say this, but ideally I want OU in the big 12 because I want that historical tie that we've been talking about, but I want OU to not necessarily be seen as if you can't beat them, join them. I want us to beat the sec in a national title game. I want us to beat the best. We're going to have that opportunity to do it week in and week out and not just in a playoff game or in a bowl game anymore you know so like there are a lot of factors to it but you know in, in a world where college football did not become a tv product and one you have one media outlet um outlet that talks to hundreds of thousands of millions of people 
bring, banging home the message that if you want to play in the NFL, make money, you play in the SEC. I mean, it it affected recruiting and it made OU's job, which has historically not necessarily been hard. OU's, but o, at the same time, OU is not a top two, top three year in year out recruiter. You know, if we ever get a number one recruiting class, even for us, it's like, wow, that's that's pretty cool. That's surprising. Um, it made recruiting harder because it made it harder to get the top end talent that helps you win national championships to come to a place like OU. And that should never be the case. Some of that is on OU for allowing the Big 12 to go down the path that it did, uh, uh, both on the field and by them in Texas saying we don't want to expand in the early 2010s and kind of holding the Big 12 hostage as a, as a result. Um, it's I mean, OU's not a victim 100% here, but um, some pragmatic things occurred that made it harder for OU to succeed at the level that we expect from a year in a year out basis. And so joining the SEC is literally like the only thing you can do other than joining the Big Ten. And I would rather join the SEC and see all those stupid fucking Confederate flags waving around with their with a lot of these silly fan bases than playing Illinois or Indiana in November. So, I mean, that's that's kind of the way I've looked at it. It's not what I want, but it's the best possible scenario for the future. Other than that, guys, um, college football wide, you know, nothing really has happened except the Heisman Trophy. Jaden Daniels uh, from LSU. And I'll say this, he's probably the he's probably a Heisman the Heisman winner ever since I've been watching college football since 1998, 1999, around that time when I was seven or eight. I have probably watched the least amount of this Heisman winner in the season they won the Heisman more than any other. Like I watched Lamar Jackson play three or four games the year he won the Heisman. Um, I watched Mark Ingram a handful of times at Alabama in 2009 when they won, when he won the Heisman, who else, like who, who else, all this to say, like, congratulations to Jaden Daniels. I know he's got a nice stat line and I know he's talented, but the biggest game they played, they got trounced in the second half. And then, you know, they beat Missouri who is better than OU. Of course they're, they're much better than OU is this year. So good for them. I don't really know what else they did this year. And all that to say, like, you know, what would make the Heisman much cooler is that they just kind of agree by like week 10, you know what? We're not putting it out this year. Like there's just too much. There's just too much of the same, but at the same time, I'm still kind of upset. Michael Penix didn't win it. He, to me, he was the most Heisman trophy winner. Like when you think of just Heisman trophy season, I look at somebody like Michael Penix go, yeah, that guy. Yeah. I mean, he, he, I mean, yes. Undefeated played great in two games. that really mattered. And it was <laughs> against know, maybe he's had some down. Yeah. Was it because it was against the same team? Like the Pac-12 was a very good conference this year, but it ultimately ended up being just Washington and Oregon. No, he, he dipped pretty hard. Yeah. Like he had a, a bad a November. Yeah, yeah. Really? Like and, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure he was hurt pretty badly. Uh, like, I, I, like how is he even getting out there type hurt? You know? so that's <laughs> why I would say uh, look at that Washington line <laughs> if he's exactly, had some time yeah. to get healthy. Yep. Uh, but I mean, to the point you're, you're on one side. Yeah, I, I I don't, I think I like kind of slowly followed the FSU LSU game when that was going on and that was the only one. Uh, but the Heisman winner that nobody watched, uh, slight history lesson, 1989, Andre Ware. So uh, it's happened before. <laughs> 
Uh, I, I can tell you, man, no, nobody watched Ty Detmer either, man. Like, <laughs> nobody. Does this, this one to me kind of felt like the year Lamar Jackson won it, where like Deshaun Watson and Baker Mayfield had more team success, like Bo Nix and, um, and Michael Penix did. But Lamar Jackson just put up stupid numbers. <laughs> it was just, yeah, it mean, was just well, incredible numbers. Well, and like, I think they did play a big game. Was it against like Florida State? I want to say where Louisville, I mean, they played Lamar Clemson. Jackson. Like they, okay. they play Clemson they like beat at them by Death like Valley. 70 or something. Yeah, they beat the shit out of Florida State that year, something like that. If that's the yeah, same or, like same that. year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and Lamar just put up just stupid stats. And I think that was kind of that feels kind of like this one. But even yeah, then, like just look, a very unmemorable. Like, you know what? Yeah. I mean? Like just yeah. nothing. At least Lamar's was memorable. I mean, <laughs> I remember tuning in to watch Lamar. He was really yeah. good. He's memorable, and he had like that one cool run he had against Syracuse, I think, in the Carrier Dome, uh, where he like did a spin towards the pylon. You know, he he's just he he's a player that's just absolutely fun to watch. And even in football, you don't have that every year, especially at the quarterback position, where there's just a guy like I don't care what the team success is, I would just want to watch that guy. And fortunately for him, he was able to put up numbers, and Louisville had enough success that he was able to win the Heisman. I just can't say the same for Jaden Daniels. I hate saying that because he just won the Heisman. And so he's in a very elite exclusive club. But at the same time, like I can't lie. It's just if your biggest game was a trouncing loss, I just, I I just don't know what to say to that. So just, I I will say Brady, give you more ammunition on how Oklahoma is the center of the college football world. Uh, This Heisman winner is Robert the third Griffin's fault for being able to win it on the nine and three Baylor team who had his one memorable moment against who? Brent Venables' defense. <laughs> the University of Oklahoma. And after that, it's kind of allowed teams. If that, if that victory, if that Heisman hadn't happened, uh, yeah, Penix is probably, you know, the Heisman's undefeated team ranked all that kind of stuff. I mean, he kind of kicks all those blocks, but that kind of allowed players who weren't, you know, the number, you know, wasn't like the best player on the best team, uh, yeah. that, that award then kind of just went to quarterbacks who, uh, did really well. well shout out to, uh, West of Everest for this one. I mean, Grant over at West of Everest, I think he said that Washington has like the stench of 2000 Oklahoma. And I kind of forgot that Penix had that big dip for a few games. I mean, that just really furthers home the point that this is just 2000 Oklahoma in disguise because Josh Heupel was on his way to a Heisman trophy season as well. And then in November, his elbow swelled up and he could not throw anymore. And that team was just carried by the defense. And you know what? They had to beat the best team that they played that season again in their conference championship, just like Washington just did against Oregon. Oh, you had to play Kansas state twice and barely won in the big tall championship game on route to a national title. So we're all rooting for you, Washington. Go beat the shit out of Texas. Go bring back the 2000 OU memory magic. And um, we will forgive you for the 1984 uh, debacle. That was the orange bowl when the schooner got us a penalty. Um, anything else, gents that you wanted to discuss any more FSU grievances? No, uh, other than it's a quick plug. Uh, if you guys are on the Patreon or want to join the Patreon, it's patreon.com slash through the keyhole. You can hurry up and sign up to our bowl game pick them. We have a, a $50, $25, and $15 uh, home field gift cards or gift uh, vouchers or however we're going to send that to gift codes. Uh, so if you win, so hey, just sign up for a month, play the game. And if you like us, hang around. Uh, but just, yeah, come, come, come check us out. Very good. Very good. We actually had our uh, college football p- um, season pick'em uh, winners uh, winners announced. 
um, that we also held during uh, on patreon.com slash through the keyhole. So we've got a fun little community going on. So um, if you are interested, please give a uh, patreon.com slash through the keyhole a look. Um, we put out consistent content, written, interactive, more podcasts for your sooner fandom pleasure. And uh, we have a good time doing it. Hopefully it comes out in the work and everybody enjoys it. People seem to be enjoying it that have been on for the last two or three years. And we greatly appreciate their support and help. Um, and we look forward to making new friends along the way as we get closer and closer to the to signing day, to the Alamo Bowl. And then, of course, winter conditioning. And oh, my God, they're lifting weights. Oh, my God, Quinn Ears has abs. That type of that part of the year. But. Um, everybody, thank you so much for, uh, listening to through the keyhole. Um, once again, thank you to Vanessa house. And again, if you don't have any plans this weekend, go give them some business, uh, Zach, Andrew, Evan, all those guys, they're extremely good people. They're really, really fun to be around. So, uh, go support them while you still can in a cool little spot in Oklahoma city, who I think is going to get a new arena. So for people that are you know, all about that, you know, it looks like you're going to get your wish. So yay. Hopefully that just means Metallica doesn't go to Tulsa the next time they go on an arena tour. Cause I don't want to stay in Tulsa for a Metallica show again. Uh, but for Alan Kinney, Matt Burton, Peyton Guthrie, this is Brady Trantham. Thank you for listening to through the keyhole. We'll be back on Sunday for a Patreon pod. And then Tuesday for a free pod until next time, everybody boomer. Super.